Hello and welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Project 119 Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Mary and it's my pleasure on this Friday, February 2nd, to welcome a guest to the podcast. Today we have reading for us Megan Brown. Megan and her husband Lucas and their kids have been a part of Mountain Brook Baptist for a year and a half. They moved here from Texas and I look forward to talking to her about things of life and faith at the end of the podcast. Thank you, Megan, for reading for us today. Thank you for having me. Today we're going to read from Luke 8, verse 26 through 39. Um, this is the message where um, we find out about Jesus casting demons into swine. Then they sailed to the country of Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. And now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place onto the lake and drowned. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also, who had seen it, told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And now let's read from Psalm 114. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of a strange language, Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea saw it and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the little hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you fled? O Jordan, that you turned back. O mountains, that you skipped like rams. O little hills, like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a fountain of waters. Thank you so much, Megan, for joining the podcast and for reading so beautifully for us. I want to hear a little bit more about you. You've been a member of Mount Brook Baptist for about a year and a half, but tell me about where you grew up and maybe a little bit more about your family. So I'm a PK. 
um, a second generation PK. Um, my granddad was a Southern Baptist preacher and so was my dad. So I grew up in church. We grew up in Northeast Texas in a rural part of the state. I went to a moderately sized high school, but you know, it was, it was very rural area. Um, my dad was also a dentist in town, so a jack of all trades. <laughs> um, <laughs> so everyone in town knew my dad. He grew up there. My grandparents grew up there. Um, and it was, I still joke about going back home because things would happen. Like I, I was, I think, 17 and I went to a rated R movie. And the lady that owned the movie theater called my dad and was oh, like, no. I just want to make sure Megan has permission <laughs> to see this movie. So that was always kind of the type of environment that I grew up under. Of course, going from that off to University of Texas at Austin, I went through a pretty rebellious stage, as a lot of kids do. Um, but I, you know, had grounding in, in church and, and Christ, and I, I didn't stay gone too long. Tell me, is that where you met your husband? That is where I met Lucas. We met in sociology class. Kind of interesting. It was actually the first day of class um, of our TA session and a guy came in and sat kind of behind me. I was in one row. It was like stadium seating. So I sat in one row and then Lucas came in and sat behind me and um, the TA said, okay, get in groups. We're going to have a group project to work on this semester. And a guy started walking towards me that was at the end of the row to, I guess, be my partner. And Lucas saw him coming and hurtled over the table to sit next to me. (laughs) And for those of you that know my husband, he's a very large human, and he proceeded during the rest of the TA session to, it, we exchanged names, but he wouldn't look at me, and he ate an entire bag of bagels. I think he was so embarrassed about, like, hurtling the desk, and then <laughs> he was eating this whole bag of bagels, and I was a little disgusted <laughs> because who does that in an hour class, you know, a whole bag of bagels? Um, but but we ended up working on this TA project throughout the semester, and that's how we got to know each other. That is so fun. Yeah. Okay, and now you're married and have three lovely children. Tell yes. me a little bit about them. Um, so we have three kids. We have Bellamy, who's four, and his name is Jacob, but we call him Jeb, and he is 22 months. And then Caleb, who is almost three months. Okay. He'll be 12 weeks next week. And he's in the room with us. So if you hear any little sounds, they're wonderful baby sounds. (laughs) He's so cute. And he's fallen off to sleep. Okay. So you went to school in Austin. Mm -hmm. Then what? We, I, I went and did a second baccalaureate degree at University of Texas MD Anderson. Because one wasn't enough? Because one wasn't enough. (laughs) Um, One was not going to get me the exact job that I wanted to have. At the time. And Lucas was going into the oil and gas. He's a, uh, an engineer. And um, so he's going into the oil and gas industry. And so we both found ourselves in Houston, continued dating, um, got married a year and a half after moving to Houston. We were pretty young, 24 years old. <laughs> and um, and that was, that was kind of it. I went to graduate school and um, he worked in oil and gas and my career eventually brought me to UAB. And now I want to hear a little bit more about that. What is your career (laughs) and what do you do at UAB? So I am a clinical microbiologist. I work in the Department of Pathology. I direct clinical microbiology. So all of the 
diagnostic testing that you get when you go to the doctor to tell you what infection you have and what drugs are going to be best to treat that infection. Um, I oversee a lab that does all of that testing. So did you have to go to medical school to do that? Or how did you get your degree? I have a PhD in translational medicine and pathophysiology. And then I did a, so I did a PhD program in that. So that program does the first two years of medical school. And then when everyone else goes into the clinic to do patient care, we go into a lab setting to do research and um, learn about clinical diagnostic testing and how we can take things that we learn from research and apply it to the clinical field. Tell me about one advancement in this clinical research that has excited you in recent days. So I'm actually currently working on assessing some new technology that most of the time to tell doctors or your clinician what drug is going to best be used to treat your bacterial infection, it takes about 24 hours for us to get these results. And this new diagnostic test gives it to us in four hours instead of 24 hours. So we can get patients on the right medication much earlier and hopefully in return get them discharged from the hospital and home back with their families in a more timely manner. Wow. And is this advancement because of AI or what? No, this advancement is due to us understanding more about the limitations around the type of testing and advancements in technology that kind of acts like our eyeballs. So instruments that can read plates without having to have a human actually look at the plates. Oh, wow. um, and then different things that make the bacteria glow under certain lights. They, We've kind of hijacked that technology Um, to see if the bacteria are dying or thriving in these different environments um, with these different drugs. And so kind of utilizing the two, we're able to see microscopically what the bacteria are doing and how they're responding to the drugs. So we don't actually have to wait to say, oh, the bacteria didn't grow or, oh, yes, it did grow. Now we we know before we can actually visually see it with a human eye. That's amazing. So. You mentioned that you grew up in a pastor's home, but I want to hear a little bit more about your story of faith. How did you come to faith in Christ? And tell me about some milestones along the way. So um, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was eight years old. Um, It was just a random Sunday morning at church, and I was baptized. And um, a few months later, I was baptized And it was, I think, a typical thing to do when younger kids come to know Jesus. Um, We sat with the pastor after I made my profession of faith, and he wanted to be sure that I knew what I was doing and and understood everything, and I did. Um, I, you know, did go astray for a while later in life, and um, I, I, I listened to the devil more than I should have. And, um, you know, I always had a strong interest in religion um, and the Bible. Um, I took some religious study classes in college, um, which were very interesting to take at a public institution, especially in Austin, for those of y'all that are familiar with Austin. And I started coming back to Christ then. It wasn't until I got to Houston and realized, uh, I'll say the quiet part out loud, realized that my parents were right about everything the whole time, (laughs) (laughs) that I 
fully dove back into church, got grounded in a church in, in Houston. Um, Lucas started coming to church with me and we really got engaged in, in faith again. Well, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about you because when I first met you, I was like, wow, they are jumping all in. You were coming on Wednesday night and Sunday morning and so involved. Yeah. I mean, I grew up like this. I grew up never missing a Sunday morning, never missing a Wednesday night. It's hard when your mom makes you sit on the front row and you're a teenager (laughs) and your dad's up in the pulpit. But I knew how my parents had exposed me to faith. And I knew how I had responded to that growing up. And I wanted to give, and I still want to give my kids every opportunity to come to faith Mm -hmm. on their own accord with the appropriate exposures. Um, Call it selective indoctrination. And I'm okay to indoctrinate my kids with the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I want to know when you came to Birmingham, how you got connected to Mount Brook Baptist. Oh, so we were renting a house in Cahaba Heights and we just started inward and like what churches are close to us that we looked at the website, looked at the doctrine of, of the churches that would be relatively close to us. And then it was right after COVID and everyone was still broadcasting their church services on YouTube And I actually joked with Wayne about this. I think I'd seen him on YouTube enough times to know who he was as a person better than he definitely knew Lucas and I. (laughs) Um, So I was like, I already know all these things about you. I know what stories you tell from the pulpit because I have been watching you on YouTube for the past two months. Um, So we use YouTube to kind of get a feel of what churches we wanted to go visit um, when we came to the Birmingham area. Um, and and then when we came, we visited a couple and felt most at home here out of the ones that we visited. And after you came to Mount Brook Baptist, were you able to find community in a Sunday morning Bible study or a growth group? Yeah, so um, we attend Sunday morning Bible study class, and we really enjoy our class. They almost, everyone in there has kids our age, And so we're connected at the kid level, but also through our class. And then Wednesday night growth group, we attend, um, my kids go to Mission Friends or GAs or um, to the nursery, (laughs) the youngest one now. And uh, Lucas and I each attend our own individual growth group. So I go to an all women's growth group and he goes to an all men's growth group. Um, And it's it's just a good time, a midweek pick me up Mm -hmm. when you usually need it about about Wednesday night. Agreed. <laughs> Is there a time or a season where you palpably felt the presence of the Lord or or you you just experienced his help in some way? So yes, the first time that after coming back to faith, after um I had gone astray was I was actually, it was towards the end of my time um, in Austin, and I was in a religious studies class, and there were certain passages of the Bible that that we were looking at, and I was actually studying for an exam. And I remember just closing my Bible and just being like, okay, I hear you. Like, I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. It It was 
physically moving and spiritually moving all at the same time. And I had been in this class this whole semester reading and studying more from an intellectual perspective than from a spiritual perspective. But it's funny how God even uses those moments to bring you back. And then the the next time was after Lucas and I had been married for right about a year. Um, I'm sure many people will relate to this. We had issues with our marriage. You hit that one-year milestone and you're like, why did I get married to this person? What is happening? (laughs) (laughs) This is not the same person I married. Um, And, you know, we, we went through some counseling and, and had to, had to decide exactly what we were going to do with our marriage at that point. And um, I think we were both like in it to win it. We were not going anywhere but we had to figure out how to how to get through that time and I spent a lot of time praying during that period. I want to go back to you talking about God speaking to you through his word. That's why we do the Project 119 is because we think that God's word does instruct us for life and help us along the path. I wonder if there's anything from today's passage that stuck out to you. This passage from from Psalm 114 It talks about how Israel is coming out of Egypt and God is fulfilling the promises that he made to Israel through Abraham and through Jacob um, about how he will always be with them and they will be his people. And then it turns to a more poetic phrase um, when it starts talking about large geographic features, not smaller ones like trees or grass or Things that humans often have a large influence over, but mountains and large rivers, how they will change their course and they will tremble or turn to water, (laughs) right, at at the will of God. So, you know, even things that man has no control over, God has control over and authority over. Um, So I really like that about today's passage. My favorite Bible verse is Hebrews 11.1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things unseen. And that verse has gotten me through many, many times when you just don't think that you have it in you to keep going, or you don't think that you have it in you to keep going down the righteous path, um, the path that you need to be going down. And it's so much easier to turn and look at the world around you and see what non-believers are doing and just say, well, I could do this and it would be easier or I could do this and you know everything would turn out fine and who would it affect? It would only affect me. Um, but if you can continue to walk in faith and believe in something more than your own will and your own power, better things come out at the end. Thank you so much, Megan, for joining us today and for reminding us of the hope that we have in Christ. Would you end our time together with prayer? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us come together and read and reflect on your word and the promises that you have made, not only um, to the Jewish people and to um to Abraham and Jacob, but also to us. And and we know that we serve a God that has authority over the world. Um, 
authority over humans, authority over demons, authority over everything in our life, and that we can turn to faith and put our trust in you to um, lead our lives in a direction that is meant to satisfy you and glorify you. I thank you for this church and everything it provides to this community and to my family. And I pray that um, you bless it and um, everyone listening to your word being read. Amen.